Are there things that we can do in creating a culture in our small or medium-sized businesses? Are there things we can do in our startups to attract the people that want to be committed and engaged? Sure. But ultimately, it's not something we do to people. It's something we help them choose to do. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. I'm your host. Thank you so very much for joining us today. It is a privilege to be your host, and I've been looking over the feedback that I've been receiving, and it's just warm. It's wonderful. It's uh, inspiring, and it's very humbling. Thank you so very much, and, and keep it coming. I love it. Now, on today's call, I have the pleasure of spending time with a world-renowned leadership expert, two-time best-selling author, speaker, consultant, trainer, coach, leader, learner, husband, and father, Kevin Eikenberry. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Rick, that was pretty impressive. You, you said that all pretty quickly. I tell you uh, what, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad to be with you. <laughs> and you know, I, let me just say, you know, uh, we all love feedback. And you were talking about getting feedback, and uh, it's such a gift. And so keep giving it to Rick and keep giving it to your teams, if you would, please. Yeah, thank you very much, Kevin. Now, Kevin, you and I are going to be touching um, on a number of different areas. I've been researching your background. I've been looking through uh, your wonderful team at the Kevin Eikenberry Group. I'd love to talk about uh, them specifically later on in the call. But I think before we jump into the the nuts and bolts of the call, the core of the call, which is um, your book, uh, which is the Long Distance Teammates, Stay Engaged and Connected While Working anywhere i'd love to learn a little bit about uh where you're located right now well i am in indianapolis indiana far from you uh <laughs> Just and, across, uh, across where, the water where, yeah across the water and over the river yeah. and through the woods <laughs> and we've got snow here oh um and uh and so uh, we, we don't have it nearly as bad as some parts of the u.s today where they've got ice and they've got power outages we're warm we're healthy and I'm happy to be with you. So Indianapolis, Indiana is where I live. I grew up on a farm in Michigan. Yes. And uh, says a lot, has, which has a lot to do with who I am in terms of the work that we do. So. Well, and we'll touch on that in a moment, um, if you don't mind. I'd love to learn, what's your, what, uh, what is your local landmark that people would know? Well, probably the, the most world-renowned thing would be that I'm currently about probably eight miles from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course, uh, yes. And the, the, great, the home of the great Indianapolis 500, among other things. So is that a, a hobby for you? Do you like watching those events, or do you have other hobbies? Uh, I have lots of hobbies. I, I have been to the race. I actually was in the Purdue University Marching Band, which is the official marching band of the 500. I've been on the track. I've been right beside the track playing the national anthem right before they said, gentlemen, start your engines. Oh, so wow. I've been right there. It's pretty exciting. And uh, I've been to a number of races. I can't say that I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't go every year, but I've been a number of times and it is a pretty amazing event. I can imagine. Several hundred thousand people in one place to watch cars go around a track. And lots of horsepower, lots of noise, lots of excitement. You know, it's enough to get the heart racing, isn't it? <laughs> very true now very uh, true. Sp speaking of heart uh, racing do you do you uh do you like doing any sports what do you I, do? I grew up as i grew up playing basketball mostly and I, I love to mostly now watch but if you if there's a hoop and you and there's a ball i'm probably going to shoot it fantastic <laughs> shoot at it now we, you talked about uh you know uh, your location um have you been there all your life and if if so i was wondering if we can roll back roll back time to your childhood and talk a little bit about 
growing up and what it was like and what was one of the most fond memories of your childhood? Well, I, I grew up on a farm in Michigan, about 320 miles from where I sit today. And uh, man, to, to say one fond memory, I don't know how I how I could <laughs> I could pick one. I mean, I, I think of my childhood, Rick, as being uh, in many ways being idyllic. I mean, I had great parents that were only 20 years older than me, so in many ways, I grew up with my mom and dad. Um, and and so I'll say this because you asked about hobbies. One of my hobbies is collecting antique tractors. Oh. I have a bunch of the I have a bunch of the little ones. You can see them over my shoulder back there. John toys, but I collect the real ones, the big ones. Yeah, nice. And I've got thirteen uh, antique tractors, and and so that's a connection to my kidhood. It's a connection to for my children to the farm that we own, and and it's an important part of my life. They're formative years, aren't they? They set the scene for what you turn out, the values that you hold and espouse, and I really enjoy this part of the call because I get to learn about you, um, the child, I guess you'd say. Now, um, when you were a child, did you enjoy reading books, Kevin? Um, I have been a reader my entire life and i'll tell you a quick story so my grandmother my my father's mother was a school teacher in fact i had my grandmother in the fifth grade as a teacher um that's a whole nother story <laughs> but the story that i am told is that grandma the teacher used to say to her daughter-in-law my mother why are you reading to kevin he can't read yet why are you you're reading to him all the time blah 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 and uh Sometime during my childhood, my grandmother apparently said to my mom, well, you did something right because uh, he's a reader and it has to have something to do with all the reading you did to him. Absolutely. Before, you know, absolutely. So, yeah. so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely a reader. I read all the time in this office, at our office. As I sit here, I can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bookcases. In this office, there's uh, four more down the hall and I don't know how many in my house. So, now, yeah, I know that your books, you have several that you've been a part of, if not authored completely yourself. I know that you have audio book formats. Is that something that you enjoy as well as just reading? Well, you know, reading? I, don't, I don't listen to as many as I actually read. Mm -hmm. Actually, one of my goals is to, is to do the narration of one of mine in the future. That hasn't happened yet, but that's on my list of things that I want to do someday. So, But I don't personally listen to as many as I read, yep. but it's a great way for many people, including my wife. So um, you're a, a, a mainly fiction or non-fiction or a blend of both? Um, I'm almost all uh, non-fiction mm -hmm. and probably to my detriment, I probably should read a little more fiction than I do. Mm -hmm. Typically when I do read one, I enjoy it, but I, I read far, far more. Uh, nonfiction. Thank you for sharing, Kevin. This is wonderful. Now, I'd, I'd love to talk about growing up in the farm just a little bit more as it relates to your first entrepreneurial experience. Um, I, I know that um, people who live on farms, having done so myself and grown up on a farm myself, they are hard workers, they are driven, and I believe that they have an entrepreneurial spirit from the get-go. Could you, is that, would that be true of your, your family and, and what you were exposed to early on? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So my dad grew up on a farm, but and and so he always wanted to farm. He uh, we had a farm, we had several farm-related businesses. So I was highly involved in all of them from a very young age with the opportunity to have uh, impact and to make decisions and uh, in many of those businesses. And so there's no doubt that it played a huge role in the creation not only of my values as you mentioned, but yep. but the desire to uh, 
run my own company, start my own company, rather than being an employee forever, for yes. sure, no doubt. Yeah, and I was yeah. looking over your um, extensive write-up on your, your website and it, you talked about business philosophy and I'd love to, if we could, transition into that conversation now and I, I guess ask you, you talked about um, people potential. Um, can you share a little bit about your philosophy of business and, and individual potential? Absolutely. So, you know, we are in the business here, Rick, of helping as many leaders as we can make as big a difference as they can mm -hmm. so we can change the world for the better. And so we work with leaders, we work with organizations, we work with their teams to help them get better results. But the good news is that we help people get better results, then we make a bigger difference in the world and we're helping people reach their potential. So uh, our business philosophy and my belief is that, that uh, if people are willing to do the work, they have tremendous potential. And so we, we want to come alongside as many people in as many ways as we can, whether it's being on this podcast with you, uh, whether it's writing a book, whether it's writing um, newsletters, whether it's, you know, delivering training around the world, whatever it is, to do everything that we can to help people move closer and closer to their potential. Because, uh, you know, I believe that's what I was put on this planet to do is to help people do that. And so it's a blessing every day to help to have the chance to do it Fantastic. and to figure out how to make money doing it too. Ah, just as a byproduct of delivering <laughs> amazing service, no doubt. Now, Kevin, um, just so everybody has some context, uh, allow me a moment to share with the audience um, some of the uh, organizations that you have um, been exclusively listed on, including Inc.com, uh, Top 100 Leadership and Management Experts in the World, 100 Great Leadership Speakers for Your Next Conference, America's Management Associ Association Leaders to Watch, Top Top sales world, top sales and marketing influences. The list goes on and on and on. How is it that you become so prolific across these incredibly important um, top tier channels? How does that all come about? Well, I think it's start. Well, first of all, I've got gray hair, so I've been <laughs> at it a while. So that's part of it. Um, but you don't, you know, I, I think, you know, you mentioned hard work and I, I, I think that I've had people say, Kevin, there's no one in your industry that works harder than you do. And, and maybe that's true. I don't know. But I, I'll say this, that when you're, when you're clear on your mission, when you're clear on what you're here for, and I've already shared that with you all, that um, when that's true, then it makes the rest of it come easier. And then and from a tactical perspective, I would say that one of the things I'm proudest of about what, about what we do is that once we decide to do something, we stay at it. So we've done a weekly email newsletter every week without fail since 2004. Wow. I've done um, over 365 weekly videos on our YouTube channel, we call Remarkable TV, without missing a week. I've done 670 daily emails in a row without missing Monday through Friday. Uh, so. I had a blog since I don't know when, forever. Right. So the point is that once you make a decision, and at least for us, to to do something that moves you toward your mission, then you got to stay with it. You know, during the pandemic, Rick, we you have a podcast. That's obviously what we're on right now. I have a podcast, and we've had it for nearly five years. And uh, the the story is lots of people started podcasts last year. And most of them didn't keep doing it. Yep. Now, there's such a thing as having a podcast for a purpose for a short period of time, and I'm not really talking about that, but I'm talking about people that start something and don't stay with it. And so part of what has allowed me to 
accomplish some of the things that you describe is staying at it and and keeping with it and learning as you go so hopefully you get better at it as time goes on yeah there's some gold nuggets there you know you talked about tenacity persistence and consistency it's obviously another one in the mix there thank you so very much for sharing i know that the my future business audience you know uh, made up of startups and existing small to medium-sized business owners will be taking a lot of value away from the call thus far now um I you, you gotta stick at you gotta stick with it oh, right yeah. you decided to start and it may get hard and you may have to pivot that's okay but that 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 consistency part to me is a huge piece of it it really is you have so much to offer and i've looked at um i've spent a solid hour just going through all the different topics that i'd love to to touch on and the one that really sticks out for me is employee engagement i'm wondering um who is responsible for employee engagement is it the employee or the employer or is it a mix of both do you think well, you know, Rick, uh, at least in the in the U.S. and really, I think everywhere, there's been a whole lot of folks for the last 15 or 20 years, folks like me, I suppose, consultants, speakers, authors that have said to leaders like all of you, uh, "Hey, this is your job. You you need to you need. What are you going to do to gain to gain employee engagement?" And while we can play a role, ultimately, here's what engagement is: a person choosing to care, a person choosing to. Uh, give their discretionary energy and effort and time and thought to their work. Yeah. And we can't make people do that. Leaders are not, we're not in the compliance business. We ought to be in the commitment business, right? So yeah. here's the thing. If we realize that at the end of the day, it ultimately belongs to the employee to say, I'm in. Then the question for us as leaders is, what can we do to support that? I used to say, it's not about pizzas and ping pong tables, right? It's about providing people with a way to do meaningful work and providing them with a chance to make a difference in that work. So are there things that we can do in creating a culture in our small or medium-sized businesses? Are there things we can do in our startups to attract the people that want to be committed and engaged? Sure, but ultimately it's not something we do to people. It's something we help them choose to do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think to myself, um, as generations pass and we go through um, new types of workplaces and different attitudes, different mindsets, um, do you see that maybe there's an opportunity for people to change their mindset and be less, you know, uh, entitled, you know, less of an entitlement (laughs) attitude? I'm here, I'm working for you, I do something for you, you give me money, it's transactional. Should it be more than that? Well, there is a transaction, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we need people to provide value for that paycheck, and and that that sort of uh, social contract is important, right? We need to pay people uh, in a way that is commensurate with commensurate with what they're they're delivering they're value. Doing, yep. But what we really want is for them to say, "I'm choosing." Like, here's the thing: at the end of the day, no one's going to work. No one's going to keep coming to work forever if we don't pay them. Yep. Like there's there's definitely a pay component here, right? Yeah, yep. We're not saying that we're trying to find people that are going to come to work regardless. But the reality is we need to help them see that there's something more in it for them than just the paycheck. If we as leaders, if we as business owners think that it's only about that transaction, we'll never have the people that we really want. Yeah. Because people don't just come to work for a paycheck. They come to work for a paycheck and a whole lot more. And the more of those things that we're, we understand about what their needs are and the more that we work to provide those things, the more they will put back into the equation themselves. 
Yes, fantastic sage insight. Thank you very much for sharing, Kevin. Now, I'm looking at uh, your wonderful team. There's a lot of people there. Um, they're clearly um, very busy, very, very involved in your business just on the basis of what you've just shared with me. And I think that might be a good segue into talking about um, your book. And I'm wondering um, how has um, the pandemic at the moment changed the way that you operate your business and is this does this have any relation to your book the long distance teammate well so first of all i've i've been leading a remote really truly a uh, a hybrid team for a decade so we were probably as equipped and prepared for this in term internally yep. as you could be uh, and because of the work that we do while I used to get on a whole lot of airplanes. We did a lot of virtual delivery already, so we were prepared for that as well. And and since a part of our business is helping people work, lead and work remotely, we were uniquely prepared for that too. Uh, and you mentioned the new book, The Long Distance Teammate. Well, we were finishing it uh, when when in the US when the lockdowns began, right? So in March of, of 2020, when everyone knew that things were gonna be different, we were basically putting the finishing touches on the book for the publisher. So there's a couple of sentences in the book yep. that mention it, but the book wasn't written during it. It was planned before uh, the pandemic and all that, but it's it, it certainly, we're blessed that it's, it's able now to help a whole lot of people. Certainly. that are still and likely for a long time will be working remotely. It's certainly not a new idea, this idea of remote work, is it? I'm wondering if you could explain for the audience, Kevin, um, what remote work actually is if they're not even leaving their house. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. You know, you ask a lot of people today, what, what, are they, what do they do? And, they, and they'll say, well, I work from home. Yeah. Well, there's a big difference between working from home and being a remote teammate. And so the idea of the book is, you said the subtitle, stay engaged and connected. So the thing is we wanna help team members shift their focus from where I'm working to what my work actually is. And too often the longer, Rick, that people are working from home in their house, maybe at the north end of their dining room table, the harder it is for them to see past the end of their laptop, right? So their work becomes more insular and they be more, become more focused on their task list and not realizing that their job is really about more than just their work, but their work plus the team's work. And so the mindset shift is, what are you really doing here? And it's more than just where you're working, it's what you're working on and why you're doing it. See, you talked about insular, and I, I keep thinking to myself, I've seen and experienced remote work myself uh, way back when, and I did. I lost focus of the bigger picture. I lost focus of how what I was doing was impacting those around me. How are some of these challenges addressed in your book? What, what are some of the key takeaways that we could share with the audience? Well, uh, let me just say something for, in, front of, in front of that, and that is as a leader, which I know that most people who are uh, listening and watching are, um, we have a role in that. Like once we realize that that's where, what will happen to people almost naturally, yeah. we have to intentionally help them see the bigger picture, stay connected and all those sorts of things. But in this book, which is really about the teammate, right, or the individuals on the team, yeah. I think we want to help them shift that mindset. So first thing is realize what your job really is and it's not just 
working at home on the laptop or whatever, right? So that's the first part is the mindset shift. And then we spend the, the rest of the book really talking about what are the skills that can help you engage? What are the ways that you can uh, communicate better with your colleagues, build trust with your teammates? Uh, and we, we even have a chapter talking about feedback where we started, where you started the, this whole conversation. Um, so the book is really about how to help you as a teammate be more productive, be more engaged, stay better connected, get more of the right things done, and build your career too. So there's there's a, a section in this book about how do I make sure that I'm still growing and building my career while I'm serving the team that I'm a part of. Nick, given that we're in the 21st century, I always think to myself, uh, I remember when the infrastructure was rolling out globally, you know, uh, optic cables and internet and all the rest of it and going from back in the dial-up days god forbid we remember those days um <laughs> and, and are you still um hearing about challenges or, or are there any challenges with people working remotely not actually still having access to the important infrastructure required to work from home yeah you know i think we're closer and closer to people having having the internet yeah. right but but there's still, and I, I, w I was on a, I was leading a session this morning with folks from the U.S. and India, and and we were talking about even now there are technology glitches, right? Yep. Um, we've got a lot more bandwidth than we ever could have imagined back in the, oh, yes. you know, 2400 baud days. <laughs> but uh, do you remember that? I, do. I was I was wishing that I could actually make that noise, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but but anyway. Um, we, we still have challenges, right? So while people have, generally speaking, have access, there are lots of times when, when bandwidth is slow, when, when things glitch, and that causes frustration at a minimum, but sometimes causes real problems, right? Yeah. And, and so I think as leaders, as, as leaders of teams, we need to know if our folks are having those challenges, because if they're not sharing them, mm -hmm. and we don't know, then we can't do anything to possibly help. Yeah. I'll give you an example that, you know, I, you know if you have team members at their office if they had two monitors and now they're working home from home just on a laptop mm -hmm. i am a second monitor yep right like do you have two monitors if not in a hundred dollars right you can have another monitor and what will that do not only to their productivity oh, yeah. but also to how they feel about how they realize that you're there to help them yep yep right Yep, this is about adaptability. It's about innovation. Yeah. It's about positioning Absolutely. yourself as that leader who does care. These are great takeaways for those who are wondering. And, you know, I sit here thinking to myself, I've got a number of screens and you. it's very difficult once you've learnt this to ever oh. go back to a single screen. You know, it? when I go to my farm, I got to be, I, I'll go there sometimes and spend a week and yep. I work, you know, for the time. And, and, and I finally said, okay, I'm, I got to take, I got to have a monitor. <laughs> so, <Come on. laughs> I got, I'm, if it's, tw if it's four days a year or whatever, or two weeks a year, like, yep. I, I just took a monitor up there and it stays there because it makes a difference. So if you know that's true for you, chances are for your team, it's absolutely just as true. And if they've got a space for it, they ought to have one. And they probably haven't asked. Now, it seems to me it's an obvious go-to to get their hands on this book, and we'll share uh, a little bit about how you can get your hands on it. Obviously, we, it's listed on Amazon. I already know that. Um, but I'd love to talk about your experience as a writer. You've had multiple bestsellers. You've been at this for some time. Um, I know yep. a lot of people want to write books, but they get stuck at the gate 
What are some of the key things that you had to do to get better at writing and producing books? Well, uh, I'll start with this, and that is that um, you you have to. Well, the, the simplest thing is how do you write a book? You start writing. To start right? writing, right? Um, you you got to start writing. But before I wrote a book, I'd been writing a blog for a long time, and, and so I think uh, what a blog does is it helps you find your voice, right? And, and even if no one reads it except your grandmother, <laughs> right? It helps you. It helps you build a skill. It helps you build the muscle. And if you're writing on a blog back to consistency, it gets you in a rhythm of writing. And so I think that's important. But in terms of the book thing itself, yep. um, have a crystal clear picture of your audience, have a crystal clear picture of your purpose, and then start writing. I, I mean, I know that sounds simple, but it's really it. The The reality is that most people that say I really ought to and, and listen many of you as business owners one of the very best things you could do is write a book in your field use it as a I don't care if you sell zero books on Amazon uh, use it as your calling card for your business it's instant credibility people assume you know something if you wrote a book yes absolutely <laughs> it might not even be true Rick but but it is it is it is the best from a business building perspective, it's the best credibility piece you could ever have. It doesn't have to be 500 pages. In fact, better if it's not. Yeah. Um, you you got to start yep. and you got to decide you're going to write and you got to figure out when you're at your best and write then, right at that time of the day. For me, that's early in the morning. Yep. You, you got to, you just got to do it. You got to flick the switch and go, put the pen to paper yep. and start writing. That's some great advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, um, <laughs> You've done a number of books. You've just released yep. this wonderful book. Yep. Are you putting pen to paper again, do you think? Yeah, there's two projects that I'm starting on. In fact, my publisher is waiting for me to give them the proposal for the next one. Um, uh, I wrote a book several years ago called, from or co-wrote a book called From Bud to Boss about the transition from being an individual contributor to being a supervisor, being a leader, and um, and it, it's done really well. And it, in fact, we're celebrating 10 years wow. this month since that book came out. Yep. And we built a whole part of our business around that training and all that stuff. And so the next project is about the step before that. The project is about, so you think you want to be a leader? What should you be doing? Do you really know what that is? And are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> and if so, right? Yep. Eyes wide open. Yep. And if so, what should you be doing now before you get promoted? What should you be doing now and, and studying and learning and practicing so that when that transition comes, not only will you be selected, but you'll be more ready for that, what I think is the toughest transition of your career from being, a, being an individual contributor, being a part of the team to being the leader of the team. And so we're going to try to help people get ready for that transition. There's nothing worse than leaving all of that knowledge, that abundance of information that you have trapped up inside your cranium and never putting it into a book. So congratulations on all the work that you're doing there. I'm sure it's going to well, be thank wonderful. Um, thank you, Rick. I'd like to, if we could, Kevin, is to shift, shift focus um, momentarily at least to your system called the Remarkable Leadership Learning System. What's that about? 
Well, we've we've transitioned that. I mean, let me give you the overall picture. We've continued to adapt and change what we're doing there over time. Mm -hmm. But here's the big idea. The big idea is that if you want to learn anything that is complex and hard and important, mm -hmm. you cannot learn it in a two-day workshop. You can't learn it in a one-week retreat. You cannot learn it by reading a book. You learn it. How did you learn how to play the piano? Uh, practice every day. Coaching every week, right? Yep. And direction and guidance. So, uh, what started with the Remarkable Leadership Learning System evolved into what was is now the Remarkable Way, which is about to evolve again. But the whole idea is how do we help you build the mindset, the skill set, and the habit set to be a better leader? And how do we help you do that one skill at a time, one month at a time? So, our focus is. How do we help you work on one thing each month, get better at that one thing this month, yep. leave this month better at that than you were last month while you're doing it on the job as a leader? And then next month, we work on something different. So that's the big idea. It's a big part of how we try to help. We, we do training and events in the yep. normal sorts of ways, and those are important, but we believe that the people that want to move toward mastery at anything have to be focused on doing it every day and every week and every month, not an event. Learning is a process. Training is training is an event. Learning yep. is a process. Compounding leadership skills in real time. There's, there's nothing yeah. more effective than actually doing what you're teaching people to do. So thank you for sharing that. Now, um, importantly, you talked about earlier in the call about consistency, persistency, and I'd love to um, talk about that in terms of your wonderful podcast, The Remarkable Leadership Podcast. Tell us about that. Well, you know, you know, when I started in business, Rick, the thing was you probably ought to have a blog if you're gonna do the kind of work I was doing. So I wrote a blog and decided to stay with that and I've done that. Um, and, and then, you know, Probably ought to have a podcast, Kevin. Really ought to have a podcast. And so we waited. I mean, now looking at starting in the middle of 2016, it doesn't feel like we waited. But even then, I felt like, you know, maybe we should have already done this. But we waited until we were clear on our purpose and that we felt like we could stick with it. Back to our staying with it thing, right? Yep. So we we worked to figure out what that was going to look like. And, uh, and of course, we've adapted and we've changed and we've, we now release it both as audio and video and there's a bunch and some of them are done live and all of these things but but the but the the crux is decide how it's going to serve your audience or your customer or your prospect uh and and figure out how you can do it in a way that you can keep doing it because what happens for a lot of people with a blog or anything else is, you know, they do it or a podcast, they do it for three or four episodes and I can't keep up with this. Well, we need to think about that on the front end so that we can figure out a process that we can stick with, right? Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean we should never change anything, but it means that I, I believe you should move the, 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 the finish line out further, Rick, rather than, well, let's do one. Like I'm all about trying something, but let's try it with some intelligence around, yeah, we'll change it, yeah, we'll improve it, but we're gonna stick with it for a while. 
Yeah, that's the thing I love about you the most. You've got that stick wizardness, if that's such a thing. <laughs> and, you know, as an experienced podcaster um, and who has made podcasting an integral part of your business, it's just the way you do business. Do you think that other businesses should be adopting this media um, more than they are right now? Or do you see a trend upwards? I think, I mean, the trend continues to be upward. I think everything I read about it and my team stays on top of some of that some of that industry stuff better than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the trend is still up and to the right. I think for an individual, though, I think it starts with, okay, who, who, are, who are our customers? Who are our prospects? What are we trying to accomplish? How can we use a podcast as a part of the mix that will either support our customers so they keep buying from us, yep. right? Or that we can attract the people that we want to begin to buy from us. I mean, it's simple as that. And, and so, you know, in the business that I'm in, part of that is the idea of the podcast is about the thought leadership, right? And it's about building the network of all of the people that I've had on an interview. Just like, you know, we are now in, we're in this, in an orbit together because we're doing this. Yep. So there's value for both of us in that, Absolutely. in that, in this in this interaction. Um, so I, I would say, I, I would encourage any business owner to seriously look at podcasting, yep. but you have to think about how does it fit into our marketing mix? How does it fit into our who our ideal customers and how we can attract them? And I think if you start there, rather than saying, let's start a podcast, <laughs> right? Let's say yep. the question should be, should we start a podcast? Ask those questions and then how would we craft one that might help us meet those things? And also know that it's not immediately on day one going to make you money. It it shouldn't be a New Year's resolution, should it? It should be a strategic decision. That's my take. Yeah, absolutely. That's my take. Now, this has been just an absolutely jam-packed, information-filled call. Um, Coming to the pointy end, Kevin, I'd love for you, if you could, is to share a little bit about your website, what people can do um, when they get there to connect with you, and the process that you take them through. Well, so we've got, there's a bunch of websites. For the context of our conversation today, I'll say three things. Number four, First of all, you can go to our main company website, kevineikenberry.com, where you can get the full sense of the range of products and services that we offer to leaders and teams, both, um, you, you know, both synchronously and asynchronously and yep. around the world, yep. uh, kevineikenberry.com. Uh, in terms of all things related to remote, you can go to Remote Leadership Institute dot com where it's the focus is on that's really one quarter of our business and it really is the focus uh, of all of the stuff about remote work remote teams remote leadership specifically to uh, the book we've been talking about today the long distance teammate people can go to long distance teammate.com you can get a sample chapter you can find out how if you do go to Amazon or wherever you buy books and get a copy how you can get a bunch of extra free stuff by telling us that you bought a copy um, and who and, doesn't and like so, free stuff and who doesn't like free stuff? Um, I mean, hopefully it's valuable free stuff. Uh, so, but seriously, a bunch of stuff there that you can get just by letting us know that you bought a copy of the book. And um, and if people want to connect with me, obviously you can go to any of those places. You can find out how to you know find out how to connect with me. But you know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I've had the good fortune to create a bunch of courses for LinkedIn Learning. So I spend a bunch of time on LinkedIn. So if you just find me there, Kevin Eikenberry, and let me know that that uh, hey I. I found you through Rick. I'd love to know that, and I'd love to be connected with you there. 
Thank you so very much, uh, Kevin, for that. Now, um, as is customary, I will be making sure that all of the links back to Kevin are below this post. No matter where you see this interview, um, you will find the links back to Kevin and his wonderful books, I should say, not just one book, there's several. So keep your eye out for all of those wonderful works. And with all that being said, Kevin, this has actually been a fantastic call and it's been a complete pleasure of mine to have you on the My Future Business Show with me today. Well, Rick, it was my pleasure, my honor. Thank you so much for having me. So, and I hope for everyone who's been uh, been with us that you go do something with this. Take some action, whatever that is, right? Maybe you got an idea that um, that you think would apply to your team. Go take action on it today. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.